0: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Hello, I'm Carrie Sanborn, and you're listening to Sorry Partner.
3: Hello, and welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starks. On today's program, we talk with American champion Kerry Sanborn about graduating from hearts and pinochle to bridge and her experience at the very top of the game. Plus, we hear her top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz.
1: Hi, partner. Hi, Catherine. How are you doing? Jocelyn, I'm great. How are you? Oh, Catherine, I've been better. I'm feeling kind of, I'm feeling really bad about my game and my mindset. And it could be that I was just so tired last night. And maybe I should just not even try to play when I am feeling really tired after a long day of work. But it was just a disaster. And it's very demoralizing. Oh, gosh, what happened? Well, things were going great. And then this guy sat down, and I vaguely recognized him. And I had asked the previous opponents who had been at our table, do you know who that guy is? He looks so familiar, but they didn't know. Well, it turns out he's someone who played at the club years ago, but hasn't been back. Then he moved out to the suburbs or something. And he hasn't been back to this club in years. But I recognized him and he recognized me. He said, oh, Jocelyn, hi. The last time I saw you, you were having a very hard time. (laughs) You were playing with Vicky. Now, Vicky is the really intimidating pro who's always at our club. Right. You're playing with Vicky. You know Vicky. Yes, I know Vicky. Yeah. A very good player. And he said, you were very, very nervous. We could all tell, and we felt really bad for you. (laughs) Great. (laughs) It's nothing (laughs) like
3: being patronized before you start.
1: And basically, after that, I couldn't do a thing right. Do you remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about Drury, and you had a conversation with your partner right before the game, reminding everyone about Drury. Well, last night before our game, my partner reminded me that we do spade adjunct, which I only do with her. Uh And I said, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even know what that is. Oh, God. It's just, it's, it's, it's awful. I've sort of (laughs) told you about it. It has to do when you have five hearts and four spades and you're responding to partner. And we've talked about it in the context of two no Trump and one no Trump. But in any event, you bid the spades when you don't have four of them. You bid no Trump when you have the four spades. That way, the strong one no Trump opener knows that you have the spades and can bid the spades and be declarer. So it's all about right signing the contract. Okay, And I don't care for it, but I do it with this partner. So right before the game, she says to me, spade adjunct. And I said, oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. No problem. We play spade adjunct and we do it. Full on. We do it in every opportunity that it can come up in. And guess what? Right after that guy says that to me, there's a spade adjunct, which my partner alerts my two spades. She says she does not have four spades. Of course, I had four spades. (laughs) (laughs) I was completely thrown. And the thing is, we talk to all these experts week after week, and they all talk about maintaining your composure and keeping calm and having good table presence. And it seems like it's just falling on deaf ears sometimes because I lost it. You know, I just, I could not get my head out of wherever it was, which was, I'm a mess. I can't get a grip. I can't even remember spade adjunct etc. So that was really a very demoralizing experience. And um, I know we just have to pick ourselves up or we will never make it to be octogenarian card (laughs) sharks. But it was one of those moments, I must say. So there you have it. And to the audience, I don't know if this is any consolation to any of you out there. I kind of find it hard to believe that anybody is does as ridiculous things at the table as I do. But hopefully somebody can take something from this.
3: You know that I certainly do ridiculous things at the (laughs) table. But I do think, Jocelyn, it's a clear example of the way that the bridge is life. (laughs) 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 You know, you were tired. You've got to cut yourself some slack. (laughs) As you were telling me the story, I was thinking about our episode with Susan Humphreys and how she said, you know, you're going to have bad boys. You're going to have mistakes. And you're right. I do. I agree. Nearly everyone we talk to talks about the composure and and trying very hard to not let one hand run into the next. But even someone like Larry Cohen was saying he finds it nearly impossible to do. And if you overlay that with feeling stressed and you've just had a bit of a patronizing jab by somebody, and not only that, but has reminded you about when you were feeling insecure about playing with another expert player, I just think all these things pile up. I think the real challenge here is to step back and think, okay, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's not. I'm going to take what I can and move forward.
1: Yeah, trying. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's excellent advice. And, yeah, until um, you tell me the same thing and I'm going to smack <laughs> you in the face
3: because it's so irritating.
1: <laughs> no, no, I knew I could count on you to help me put it in perspective.
3: The thing that I find really challenging is that pulled thread element of it. It's, it's like sometimes whatever, for whatever reason, the conditions are just right. And it's just one thing leads to another thing, to another thing. And it's almost like you can't help yourself. And <laughs> it's like you're inside that state and, and no amount of pep talking and, and resetting actually does the job. It's just going to be the way that it is. That's a little bit what I meant when I was saying to you a few weeks ago about the opposite, you know, when you feel like you're in the zone. I think this is the anti-zone and it, you're in it and it, it almost doesn't matter what you do.
1: <laughs> the anti-zone. Yes.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. It is about perspective. And we'll be right back. Support for Sorry Partner comes from Bridge with Larry Cohen home of the Bridge Made Simple webinars at www.larryco.com for loads of videos, practice hands, and our favourites, the quizzes. Thanks, Larry. Well, I've got a fun letter for you,
3: if, if that might cheer you up. <laughs> I'll try anything. <laughs> okay. Well, this is from Denise, and Denise lives in Quebec and the subject line is Twilight Zone. And it's it's a mid-length letter, so not a super short one. Okay, here we go. To escape Quebec's brutal winter weather, my husband and I regularly head south to Florida. As we're also bridge players, we go to many club games, sectionals, or regional ACBL events. And as there's just the two of us, we often need partners to play the team events. Well, One day we found a really pleasant couple that became our friends over the years. They had many more master points than us, so we were always playing in open events or in higher strats. With time we realised that they knew a lot of the professional players and were even friends with some of them. One day, in a regional event, we made it to the knockout final. Well done, Denise. (laughs) And our teammates were very excited to announce that our next opponents were their friends. Wait for it. Jeff Mextroth and Eric Rodwell. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Talk about intimidating. (laughs) I know. If you you don't know who they are, look them up. My husband is by no means flustered being challenged by professional players. I, on the other hand, have a harder time taming my nerves. It's hard not to be phased when there are five kibitzes surrounding your table. (laughs) (laughs) Only five? (laughs) Oh, my God. One of them played Mextroth's cards when Mextroth was dummy. <laughs>
1: no, he couldn't do it himself, I'm sure.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he needed a break. Between the rounds, Rodwell signed autographs. <laughs> <laughs> it was like being in the Twilight Zone, I bet. On one particular hand, I made a defensive error that gave Rodwell and Mextroth their doubled sacrifice when game was cold our way. Oh. Ouch. Yeah, awful. Awful. That's when our bickering started. And the (laughs) bickering was, of course, in French. Mother tongues are so much more powerful when you argue. Mextroth and Rodwell graciously ignored us and started bidding the next hand. After a few rounds of bidding, Mextroth announced Swedish and I, being irritated by their complicated bidding system and still feeling emotional about the previous disaster, was just about to say, please explain thinking that Swedish was a special convention. When Rodwell (laughs) said, no, it's not Swedish, it's French. They're from Quebec. (laughs) Come (laughs) Absolument. (laughs) I silently thanked him for saving me from making the faux pas. Conclusion, they beat us, obviously, but they did not demolish us. But that disastrous hand and language slash translation confusion that followed is one of our fondest bridge
1: memories. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. I like that story. I do too.
3: I do too. It's got a bit of everything. It's got the experts. It's got the beginners. It's got the confusion. It's got the language translation issues. The international. Yeah, yeah. It's all happening there. Denise, thanks so much for writing in. We really appreciate it.
1: It's wonderful, Denise. Thanks. So if you have any good stories about encountering Mechwell at the table or having some other kind of out of mind, out of body experience, please send them in to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or Instagram or leave us a voicemail. The link is also in the show notes along with some other good stuff.
3: Coming up next, our interview with Kerry Sanborn.
1: American champion Carrie Sanborn is a four-time world champion. She has 18 North American titles and is a member of the ACBL Hall of Fame. Nevertheless, she likes to keep her systems simple and sensible. We began by
2: asking about her best or worst hand of the week. The hand that comes to my mind recently, I was playing with my husband, in a regional knockout team. And I picked up a hand with a stiff king of spades, an ace queen jack, fifth of hearts, an ace king, seventh of diamonds, and no clubs at all. Now, this is a really powerful hand. And maybe some people would open two clubs, but in my experience, you can open these one diamond and reverse into two hearts, and you're never going to get passed out. Well, I a one, one diamond, it, wed, pass, pass, pass which is astounding that that would happen. And partner had a queen, but they had four hearts. So five hearts was baking, and I made five diamonds. That was in one diamond making five. couldn't happen that it would go all past when you opened the sand. I don't remember what the result was on the board. I think that we lost a game swing.
3: <laughs> I read that you weren't initially interested in learning to play bridge,
2: I did resist learning to play. Uh, my parents played, oh, three or four nights a week at the local duplicate when I was a teenager and in high school. And so they were gone, so I would get into mischief, so to speak. And I swore I would never learn to play bridge because it just was too time-consuming. It's so boring to me. But by the time I went to college in my freshman year, we started with hearts. Then somebody said, let's play pinochle. And then somebody said, let me teach you some bridge. I go, oh, not bridge. Well, I started playing bridge and I got hooked. And I only finished three years of college. <laughs> but I don't think I made the wrong choice. Do you have a favorite tournament that you love to play? The World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like to qualify. I like to go. I like to win. So yeah, the regionals now are nothing like what they used to be. When I was cutting my teeth on Los Angeles Bridge, they had a 10-day tournament in the summer called Bridge Week, and there would be thousands of tables play in play. Now they're lucky if they can get a three-section game going. It, it It's died off so much can you tell us more about those regionals? The first regional I think I attended was in Cincinnati, which was near where I was in college. And the women dressed dressed up and men wore jackets or suits. One woman I knew wore a black satin pantsuit and the director called her out for wearing pants to the tournament. It was much more formal. They were events. You know, you used to get prizes for winning your section—a uh, deck of cards or a little trophy or something like that. And if you won an event, you got a big trophy. And it was something I always looked forward to. I still have some of my really old ones, even though they don't look any good anymore. They—they they have a a good memory to them. They been something. Yeah, regionals were fun, and used to hang out at the t- discuss the hands at the bar. Nobody had. You know, the hand records, because everybody was just dealing at the hands and, and the directors all scored by hands. So you'd gather around the director's table to see how you did. And I used to play with Barry Crane. He would go up there and he would help score. He was a very fast adder. So he would correct directors who got their scores wrong and he would help them. And it was it was an entirely different
0: life. It's very mechanical now. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: When you would go over the hands, was it because you all remembered the exact hand records in your mind? Did you have that kind of a memory for
2: those hands? You would duplicate the hands from the sheets, but you wouldn't have records afterwards. Everybody had the same, played the same boards. I remember the first time I played it in sectional and I came in second and something. And I could look at my scorecard, I could remember every single card of every single board and it just it was a n- natural ability. With respect to the ability to
1: memorize the cards and the work to put into getting there with counting the math how do you actually retain that information? Is it a, a visualization of the patterns of the actual cards? Or is it more just like a checklist? We're very interested. We've actually been asking our guests recently for their opinion about visualization because we get different answers and it's always so interesting. I'm not
2: Hundred percent sure, but I think I just have approximately a photographic memory for the way the cards are played. I I see the opening lead, I see the dummy, I see the next, I see the next trick, and I I can always visualize my hand and the dummy, and I can usually reconstruct the other two hands that are hidden from me. But bridge is very mathematical. Everything I'm up to fifty-two or thirteen, and it's almost like. Fifty-two weeks in the year, thirteen lunar months in the year. I would say first start counting your high card points. They all all add up to forty, right? And your cards and your suits, your shapes five, four, three, one, four, three, 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 four, 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 one. They all add up to thirteen. Just it is a pattern recognition in that, and the patterns also imprint themselves on your mind. And as far as individual cards. It's possible you could forget a three or a four or five or six or something. They may not be relevant. But some days they are relevant. You win a trick with a three, you remember it.
3: <laughs> Do you find that you use these skills in other areas of your life?
2: Only at bridge. I, I count myself as a one-trick pony.
1: <laughs> <laughs> are there any things out there that you are working towards
2: to make you a two-trick pony? A golf I've been playing golf for about 25 years, and I'm worse than I was 10 years ago. (laughs) So I've got a lesson scheduled on Thursday to try to fix me. Thinking about a regular partner, what would they say is your strongest area of the game? It used to be that I just didn't make an error. Things are more difficult now with bidding theory and partnership understandings and so a little bit memory has become a problem but as far as card play my husband says behind the declare I am the best he's ever seen on defense so I guess defense visualizing the cards uh, that everybody else holds and acting on that I don't know it's an amazing thing I've been at the top of this game for so many years and uh, it's been a great life very enjoyable. Well, what would a partner say maybe is a weaker area of your game if there is such a thing? Too much system. Memorizing various conventions and stuff and treatments. I do better when I do it simply. My current partnership I'm working on with Jill Myers, we have all these understandings and I know I'm going to forget some of them. They're not all sensible to me. In fact, she's working on flashcards right now. (laughs) So maybe I should do that. And when it comes to defense agreements,
1: are there any particular carding agreements or defensive
2: conventions that you like to play? I'm pretty old-fashioned. I don't play upside down very well. So Jill has ceded to my playing regular count attitude. I like to get count, do pretty well when I know the count on the hand. And when I give count with an even number, I like second high if I can afford it. Five i Jack, nine, eight, deuce, and you lead the king, I play the nine, not the eight. And I don't only have one higher. With uh, some of my partners, I like odd even discards. It's my preferred, but Jill doesn't like them, so I can get by without it. suppose it's telling your partner what they need to know at the time. I think that's the best path for a partnership to take. In your experience, what is the most
1: challenging
2: part of a bridge partnership? Well, it's clearly being on the same wavelength no matter what you're doing, whether it's who's going to compete, who's going to push, who bids more than the other one, and knowing all your agreements. It used to be you could sit down and fill out a convention card in 10 minutes and go play, and you probably still could do that and you trust yourself to do the normal thing. But the more a partnership develops, the more agreements you have, and knowing them, it's very important. There's so many permutations of, of bidding in a hand that you can't cover everything. So you have to have general principles and know when they apply and when they don't apply. It's just always knowing what your partner's thinking. Is
1: there a part of your game that you think has gotten better or worse over time?
2: I think competitive bidding has been improved so much, a lot of it because of the law of total tricks. Cue Larry Cohen. I know that you've had Larry on. He wrote a book about it. It's revolutionized competitive bidding and knowing how high to bid and when to stop. I think that that's been a very important learning curve for me. Can you talk a little bit more about that, how it's actually affected your game? Well, it's affected a lot of people's game because now when you're playing against good players, you know that they know that you know that they know about the law of total tricks. And so everybody has a lot better judgment when to stop bidding. And if you're playing against weaker players, you can pretty much bet that they are not well-versed in the law. And you can't take to the bank what they're doing. They bid on hands they shouldn't bid on, and they pass on hands they should bid on. So judging your competition, it just makes it important to know what, what your competitors know. Carrie, what is the strangest place you've ever played bridge? <laughs> there used to be a a huge regional and a few nationals in a, in the town of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And the hotel wasn't very well-suited to put on a tournament, so they would have several sections on the tennis courts. I can't think of anything much stranger than that. How many people were out on the tennis court? I would say there would be about a 100 tables, 400 people. And it was cold, was in the winter. I was hoping I'd stay inside in the ballroom, because it's nice and toasty in there, but I had to get, grab my coat and go play with my mittens and my uh, my coat out in the tennis court. Needless to say, I didn't play very well. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you when you were playing bridge? I did play once in the Disneyland Hotel, a regional, and somebody died at the table, but the game went on. Nobody <gasps> missed a beat. We're about eight rounds into the afternoon session when all of a sudden there was a kerfuffle near me and I looked and saw a man on the floor. Paramedics came. They took him out in a body bag and his partner called for a substitute and they went on the plane.
3: Oh my God. Oh my God. Did anyone consider stopping? His
2: partner considered, but they got an acceptable substitute. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing.
1: Do you tend to socialize mostly with other bridge players or non-bridge players
2: or a mix? Uh, Mostly bridge players, I would say. We do have a few golfing friends we eat with occasionally and we play golf with them. But I'm in Florida now and everybody has moved here and everybody plays bridge. So we had a built-in network of friends when we came down here. We had worked with them, played bridge with them. I play in a Wednesday afternoon imp game. We get some pretty good players. Mike Becker's in it and Jeff Wolfson and Jack Zhao, who who is a Chinese world champion. Jerry Stamatov, a Bulgarian, who teases me about. You're too passive to get your Bulgarian passport. You got to be more aggressive or you'll never get your Bulgarian passport. It's fun. I mean, we have a lot of fun there.
1: Who is the most fascinating person that you've ever played with
2: or against at Bridge? I did play against Warren Buffett. He was playing with a good player named Judy Radin. And we were playing in the UN building apartment of Catherine Graham, who owned the Washington Post. And recently I played against Bill Gates, who was playing with a friend of mine, Sharon Ellisberg, who was on my team. In 1993, when we won a world championship, she's played a lot with him and he was very gracious. You know, some, some friends of mine wanted to, their selfies and he said after the session, he'd be happy to do it. He didn't want them interrupting. And he did. Big smile, arm around everything. And Omar Sharif, I got to play with Omar and against him. He was a devotee of the game. He really loved bridge. Wow. What's something that people might not know about him
3: that you were able to glean from playing with him?
2: Oh, from playing with him, he was charming. He was easily startled. You should not approach him from behind. I came up behind him once at a coffee shop or something, and he jumped like, oh, please don't do that. We played together and against each other in Morocco one time and went to a uh, club after the session. And they belly danced for him for like half an hour. The same woman belly danced. I found it terribly boring, but he said, oh, but it's such an honor that they do this for me.
1: Do you have a favorite convention or gadget that you love?
2: I would say that Keycard Blackwood is my favorite. Yeah. Before Keycard Blackwood, I don't know how anybody bit slams. (laughs) They just guessed. And yet some people don't use Blackwood at all.
3: And what about a convention
2: that you don't care for so much? Well, I used to play with Karen McCallum. She played something called Splinter Blackwood. So if I open a spade and you splinter, you go bid four clubs or something like that. Now, the first step, I think it was, <laughs> I'm not interested. And the next steps are responding key cards. But I could get it wrong. I, always, I would always miss a step here and there. and that could be disastrous. <laughs> Carrie, what is the best bridge advice or tip that you've ever been given? Uh, the one I remember most, the tip, was from Bob Hammond. And I was upset that I had done something bad on a hand. I don't know if it was defense or offense or bidding or whatever. And he told me, he said, we're all going to make mistakes, but the good players make fewer mistakes than the rest of them. Just go on and play the next hand. And I took that to heart. I love it. Kerry, thank you so much for
3: joining us today. We're so grateful for your time.
1: Thank you so much. It was terrific. You're welcome.
3: And that's the show. Many thanks to Kerry Sanborn. Sorry Partner is produced by Katherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starks and produced by Daniel Graboy.
1: Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. These links are in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff, including new merch. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice, or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Kerry says, we
3: all make mistakes. Just go on and play the next hand. <laughs> Thank
1: you partner. Thank you partner. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Instant Glam. Visit Impressbeauty.com slash Presson and use code Presson25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press On Falsies.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus,